so let's move seamlessly now. Sorry to interrupt your ceremony. It's nothing personal. I just want to devour your god. This is like some gravity's rebound. M O L M M. What? Feels apocryphal, but I'll take it. No, it's true. Don't look it up. Don't look it up. I mean, that is made for undiscerning days. I'll just auto tune that. Put a little guitar solo at the end. Perfect. Please. All right. <laughs> Six hours later. Y'all done got diggly pain. You done got diggly pain. Nope. Nope. No. Anyways, let's podcast. (laughs) Let's podcast. Podcast, podcast, podcast. Welcome to Men of Low Moral Fiber, the show where my brother Ben writes the intros. (laughs) Yep. Oh, hey, Ben's not here this week. Uh, It's me, Jason. And uh, when the uh, cat is away, the mice (laughs) will play. It's my co-host, Corey. Hey, Corey. Hello. Ben is just like crying right now. Oh, he hates so this much work so into these much. every week. So much work. All of this destroyed um, in an instant. Oh, yeah. Now, if you're careful and you actually plot out every word I said so far, it's an acrostic. I mean, everything is carefully planned. Oh, here. definitely. I knew carefully there was planned. for sure like a master thing. You're weaving it like uh-huh. some sort of fancy spider. <laughs> Like some sort of fancy spider. <laughs> like a really fancy one, like top hat and whatnot, you know? Speaking of fancy spiders, we have a guest today, ooh, 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 Dr. Ooh. Gabby Kirillov. And for those of you who cannot see her, she actually is a fancy she spider is. with a top hat. Hey, Gabby. Hey, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm uh, nervous and intimidated and excited, but I feel like the fancy spider top hat segue could have worked with Don't Starve because there are spiders and top hats. Oh, that would have made a great deal of sense. Instead, you're a fancy spider in my mind palace. (laughs) Well, that's what I'm here to talk about, Don't Starve. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, it's just because it's really apt. It's in your genes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, Corey is on uh, a different continent's time. Uh, Gabby has a young child. And so we are just going to get into this game. No more fun and around, guys. (laughs) Let's talk about this week's game, which is Don't Starve. Don't Starve, which I picked. I said this week. I already screwed it up this month. Yeah. (laughs) Because you love it. Because I love it you deeply. Love it in my love space. Oh, I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, this, no, I know what I was thinking. So here's the thing, mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. I don't want to get off to like a negative start because this isn't no. me trashing this game or anything like this. But let me just give you my headspace here, please. Everyone has seen what I play over the past four years or whatever that I have been hardcore gaming for this here podcast. And some of the things that I have been deeply invested in lately include things like Cult of the Lamb, for example, Uh, a lot of farming and maintaining all of your little guys and trying not to let anybody die and all that kind of stuff in there. There's, you know, things like uh, Dreamlight Valley, which, you know, I've kind of Stopped playing, but like I was playing pretty hard for a minute there. Obviously, Animal. Whoop. Quick pause. Megan got credits on Dreamlight Valley. What? Credits. No, the game hasn't stop. even been released yet. It's still early access, I feel. <laughs> That's incredible. Do it. I, I just want to... Just want to say I have as well at this point. This is amazing. What? My friend Mel said this ain't like before they, so, you know, they added an expansion like what, like three months ago or something like that, four months ago. And right before that, like, I think I had just started playing maybe like three weeks before they added that expansion. 
And my friend Melanie was like, oh, yeah, my husband and I have like finished everything already, so we can't wait. And I was like, oh, wow. Well, certainly I shall, too. <laughs> and I'm like, no, this is endless. <laughs> I don't... There's a lot of content in it. There's so much to that game that I, yeah. This is despite my youngest child occasionally getting onto my wife's Dreamlight Valley and changing everything like how the character oh, works no. how the character looks <laughs> spending money just doing whatever you do in that and megan never goes in and is like okay reload my yeah. save she's always like oh now i gotta change my character's appearance back and i'm like why do you have to, why is that a thing that you just keep yeah. playing i don't okay <laughs> we we play games differently yes i think that's what that means i let my two-year-old uh pick what my character is wearing in disney dreamlight mm. valley and i have noticed there tends to be his favorite outfit is like blue ball gown, blue wings, and then Buzz Lightyear helmet. Nice. Yes, that's a good look. That is a good look. I feel great about it. Yes. I did the same thing with my Animal Crossing character that I do with mm-hmm. this one. I'm a. I know that not everyone does this. I'm. I want my character to look like me. I'm a like. It has to look like me, and my Dreamlight Valley character looks exactly like me. <laughs> Kia walked in one day and was like, "Whoa." that's you I was like I know right Um, and then I dress my character how I would like to dress Mm -hmm. if I had like unlimited money and whatever like that is what I would like to dress like and I put every single day when I'm playing it I'm like yeah yeah time to like see what's in the store and buy and what I can dress like and then I screenshot what I'm wearing yeah it's a little bit of an obsession when I play it it's like aspirational Dreamlight Valley Mm. But yeah, all that to say, like, you know, these kinds of things where you do a lot of tasks and you're trying to do resource management stuff and all that kind of thing. But so I saw, I think it turns out Keo had actually bought this game like from Kickstarter or whatever, like or Indiegogo, whatever it was on a million years ago when it initially came out. Um, and he had supported it at that point. I had no idea. So then I bought it for like three bucks on PlayStation. He's like, oh, I played this years ago. And he didn't super like it when it initially came out. Um, He quickly became very addicted to it this time around. But I think I looked at it and I was like, I've been playing all of these games where like they have some element of like farming and keeping yourself alive and all this kind of stuff. And I looked at this and I was like, hell yeah, that sounds like a good idea. But all of these games that do this (laughs) that I enjoy, often that's like a side part of the game. And that's not actually what I want to be doing all the time. Mm. And I am very, I don't like dying. (laughs) So that's the thing that um, we have sort of developed over the past several years. A thing that I've realized is that like, if you put me in like, you know, Hades or something like that, like, that's fine. I understand I have to die or I don't make progress. That's fine. But like when I'm just like trying not to die all the time, I'm too careful all the mm-hmm. time, which means I'm not really playing the game. So all of that to say, I don't know what I was thinking when I picked this game, except that like I saw it had an aspect of other things I was playing that I liked, but didn't fully process why I like those things. We'll dive in. I think I, I really want to tease that out yeah, for a sure. lot we'll talk uh, more and why, why it hit for some of us and why it didn't for others. The overall structure of the, the pod, of course, we're going to start with some development. We'll go really quickly through that. Uh, then we'll move into gameplay, tell you about like what the game is like, the overall plot, and then we'll get into kind of our experiences with it in particular moments. And then, of course, we'll get to what's the drink, what's the song, uh, things that we recommend that we've been enjoying recently, and what our next game is, and then get out of here. 
So uh, I think we're ready to to jump into development. I just want to say the way that you like yeah. laid that out, like oh, we'll do this, we'll do this, we'll do this, and then we'll get out of here. It was like very professor. Thank you. <laughs> That's exactly what it yeah. is. Well, there be slides. Oh, oh, Gabby and I used to uh, actually teach together. We used to co-teach a class on video games. Oh, nice. <laughs> It's like just that was per- the perfect wrap up, and then we'll get out of here. Like, and then we'll get out of here. yes, because everyone started this podcast waiting to find out when they'd leave. Like they have no when other choice. When can I be done with this podcast? Ugh, <laughs> oh, this homework. Yeah, here are the steps before you get to end this journey. Let's go. This is why Ben runs things usually. <laughs> it's Ben hates school. Ben's like, ooh, what's our next game? I'm like, so your homework for next right. month. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I am going to lean a little bit on Gabby on development. Mm. Don't worry, she has not been prepared for this. She has no homework, but uh, she's she has liked this game for a lot longer than I have. Uh, when I said something about the development, she was like, oh, you mean Clay? Uh, and I was like, I don't know what that is. OK, yeah, let's get into it. Now, Beautiful. I do now. But at the time, I was like, who's 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 Clay? Yeah. He Who seems chill. What is Clay? <laughs> I did what realize is the right I had been saying it wrong in my mind for like 10 years. I thought it was like Klee or Cly or something. Oh, I, love I, it. I Googled it this morning to make sure. And it's Clay. <laughs> you said it right this morning when you talked to me. You I were ready for that before. Cause I knew, I knew it was you and I had wow. listened to the podcast to prepare. And I was like, man, they are so on top of things. They know like, the history of stuff. <laughs> Better read the wiki. Uh, <laughs> I made sure I, I could say the, the development team's name. And our teaching personas uh, when we did teach together was a little bit of like, let me throw you something out of left field that you really can't handle right now. Beautiful. Like, hey, Gabby, what was it Saussure said about, uh, (laughs) you know, just just the most random things. I love that. Also, is Clay spelled weird? Is this what the... K-L-E-I. Entertainment. Clay Entertainment. Yeah, no, that was... That could be any number of ways. I was I was also just imagining, yeah. like, did you guys watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Mm-hmm. Uh, no. You guys didn't watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Oh, I, I watched a few episodes. Okay, well, they seem fine. an episode, one of the early ones, might even be the first one, where they're going through uh, and, like, canvassing apartments or whatever, going and, like, asking around or whatever, and they come to a door where Fred Armisen is there. And he says his name is Melipnos. And when they ask him how to spell it, he's like, he starts saying like M-E-L-I-P Clay. And so when you said that, that was the first thing that came to mind was good old Melipnos. The ADHD brain is going to be going hard today, by the way. So This is good. Yeah, no, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> Go on. Clay Entertainment based in Vancouver, British Columbia, Hey-o. where I just was a month ago. Actually, I wasn't in Vancouver, but I was in BC. Okay. Um, don't look at me like uh, that. There are more than one place in the, the entire territory, province, province that's of the one. British Columbia. Columbia state. Canada. State. Uh, nailed it. <laughs> uh, yeah. And um, anyway, it's a, it's a small indie company. Uh, as of uh, 2013, it had 35 employees. And I mentioned that date because that's when Don't Starve came out. Mm-hmm. So that that's kind of about the size of the, the team you're looking at. Uh, one thing I want to mention about Clay Entertainment, uh, it feels like every time we have to talk about any uh, game development, we're like, OK, so here's some caveats about the sexual harassment oh. that happened while they were there. Of course. Uh, let's talk about Crunch for a bit. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about. OK. 
I haven't done a ton of work research in this company, but I do want to read this from Wikipedia about the culture. Quote, co-founder Jamie Cheng sought a company culture where employees live balanced lives. He built clay on the theory that game studios could make popular, interesting games with a reasonable budget during normal hours at a fair price and still be successful. Since then, Clay has gained a reputation in the video game industry as a successful studio that treats its employees well and maintains balance. Well, shit. Now, none of that should be like, oh, wow, (laughs) holy shit, that's amazing. But it is, though. What? A nine-to-five job? Capitalism? That sounds great. At last, we are free, comrade. Well, see, and this is the thing is like, you know, the last guy who's that Dan Price or whatever, you're like... Is it really, or is he actually, like, secretly? Exactly. Yeah, yeah who, who can know? Things might be really <laughs> shitty. Gabby, you had something to say. But it sounds great. I will also say on the it seems positive, but who knows, actually, uh, what was going on. One of the things that stands out for me about the development is that they had a pretty long open beta and like they were so freaking responsive yeah. to community yeah. feedback. Like they really, really modified the game heavily during that period based on community feedback. Mm. And I wasn't involved with that, but I've heard a lot of good things about it. And they've also been, cause I started playing in 2013 when it came out and I've played like reign of giants um, and ship direct and like most of the DLCs. And they are very, very responsive. Like they still continue to be extremely wow. responsive about the game. And that that is somewhat unique to this game. So uh, Clay Entertainment has done quite a few games. This is the only game that they've really had that standard of keeping up with uh, lots and lots of not sequels, but uh, kind of DLC. But it, it's so much more than that, right? Lots of expansions mm-hmm. uh, that they've done to this. Um, so. The first game I really recognize from them would be Mark of the Ninja from 2012, uh, which I have played the remastered version on Switch. That's a real fun game. There's also Invisible Ink, uh, a uh, stealth tactical uh, game, and uh, Oxygen Not Included, which is kind of a a sim space exploration, accidentally kill all of your little alien dudes uh, game. (laughs) And if you're noticing a trend, it's that none of these games have anything to do with each other. The mark of Clay Entertainment is they don't like to stick with one genre. Uh, in fact, it's, it's an internal goal to actually change genres completely um, and play styles completely every time they do. See, again, this game was meant for Ben. Yeah. This whole studio made for Ben. Yeah. Which also makes Don't Starve kind of unique in their repertoire in that they didn't then move on. Right. right? They kept doing more and more versions, more expansions, uh, big multiplayer expansions like Don't Starve Together as well as all the, the fun, you know, pirate themes and ghost themes or whatever they, they might have. Did I, Gabby, did I, I didn't mean to, to minimize the expansions. They're, they're bigger than that. Not at all. I saw your face, though, as I said. <laughs> and, and Griftlands, their most recent game, Griftlands, sounds really cool, and I've heard great things about it, and I want to check out. Okay. So I want to play more games by this studio, is, is what I am saying. Can I share a fun fact, and y'all can Please? weigh in on whether or not you think that this is, is a reference yeah. So when I was looking at the only other game by them that I've played is is Oxygen Not Included, um, which I did not love. But when I was looking at their previous game list, they had a game called Shank and a game called Shank 2. And they had a game called Sugar Rush that never came out. Now, has anyone else seen the Wreck-It Ralph movies? Oh, yeah. Only once. <laughs> it's a reference, right? Well, 
Which is the reference? When did Wreck It so, Ralph come out? So Wreck It Ralph came after came out way, after way after those games. Yeah, I'm saying Wreck It Ralph was referencing oh. Clay because Vanellope. You're right because Shank is in the second one. I yes. forgot about that. Oh, Vanellope that's true. In okay. a game called Sugar Rush, and then she has kind of like an idol crush on a game character called Shank. That's a good call. Wow, that's a good call. I, I caught the Sugar Rush reference and wondered it myself, and looked up Sugar Rush and was like, "Oh, it doesn't have anything to yeah. do with Wreck It Ralph." That's what I but did too, with them together. Yeah. I don't know. And once Wreck-It Ralph 3 comes out and there's a character named Eats Munchies in it, then the cycle will be complete. <laughs> so, uh, the Gabby, I think you did a great job of talking about the development here, which is that uh, it was in early access for a while. Uh, they, they let uh, the community really give them feedback and shape the game. Uh, it came out to... <sighs> mixed reviews always sounds negative. Right, yeah. Right? <laughs> But they they were mixed. Like nobody ever thinks it's mixed. So some of them were really good. <laughs> it was made. Let's call it mostly favorable. That's it. That's another way to put mm-hmm. it, right? Mm-hmm. Some common hangups, but it was also one of these things where it, when it connected with people, it connected right. hard, and they loved it. And when it didn't connect with people, it disconnected hard. Right. So that's the mixed. It typically wasn't one person who was mixed on it who was like, I like this part. I don't yep. like that part. It was more people saying, I love this game. Or I hate this game. <laughs> And we'll we'll dive into the gameplay now and, and talk a little bit about why it might have hit people differently in different ways. So Don't Starve is a roguelike uh, action-adventure game uh, that's built mainly around crafting with some combat. Does that feel fair so far as in terms of genre? Yeah. Right. The art style is very Tim Burton-inspired, yeah. uh, but I would say... With a good bit more Edward Gorey. I was about to say the same thing. I was like, if you if you took, like, obviously Tim Burton is inspired by Edward Gorey, but it's got yes. that, like, if Corpse Bride were actively gory. Yes. It's, it's if you showed Corpse Bride to Edward Gorey yes. and then let Edward Gorey do something else. <laughs> Precisely. And I was like, ah, okay, some communication between the two. I see that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's got a, a really cool vibe. I think the art was kind of the most universally praised thing about yeah. the game. And the, the game starts where you are just a, a real 19th century looking dude. And another kind of real 19th century dude next to you says, hey, um, don't starve. Good luck. Bye. And then leaves. That was my experience of the game. When it <laughs> opened up. I was like, OK. And then you right. wander mm-hmm. around and. You, you find some sticks and you find a rock and you, you put them together and you got yourself an axe and then you chop down a tree and you can start crafting. And then, of course, it gets much more expansive than that. So that later in gameplays, I was uh, harvesting yak poop, uh, talking to the pig people, <laughs> avoiding the pig people mainly, uh, making little traps, uh, going through wormholes. I mean, it gets wild. Yeah. There's some good kind of Lovecraft influence, uh, Elder Gods type stuff happening. Um, and a whole yeah, and, story mode that was added later. Yeah, and the interesting thing with like it being a roguelike is that, you know, really the like the way that, you know, if you die and you come back, it can be just entirely different altogether. You know, the entire environment around you can have completely different dangers, can have um, different perks and things like that. One of the times that I played, like I ended up like. You know, when I woke up, I was surrounded by chests full of treasure. Oh, <laughs> it was like, well, that makes things a lot easier because I have like everything I could possibly need in all of these. There's like six chests that are, nice. are around me, you know, and sometimes you're like looking for stuff and you're like, that just isn't on this map this time. And um, so that like that experience, I think, was a lot different than even other roguelikes that I've played. 
Gabby, maybe you could tell us a little bit about your journey with this game and kind of like the early experiences. Do you still play it? And how do you play it? Like, how does it work into your life? Because these roguelikes can kind of uh, ebb and flow where sometimes you're playing it for a few weeks and sometimes you leave it alone for a year or two. Yeah, it's interesting, too. I don't know. I don't normally like roguelikes. This is something that Jason Mm. and I have talked a lot about. That It's not usually a genre that appeals to me because I don't like to die frequently Mm-hmm. <laughs> um so like i never got into hades or anything but my partner did so i'd be interested in talking about like how this is different from other roguelikes i think people debate like is it a roguelike is it fully a roguelike but i started playing it around when it came out i hadn't been playing it was probably one of the first games that i got into as an adult i hadn't really been playing a lot of games before this i played it very intensely this summer that I was supposed to be writing my master's thesis right before I started <laughs> the program. So it was kind of like a, a lifeline, a uh, life raft totally. type of situation. And it's all that summer is entirely a blur. But I played it very, very intensely, I think for about a year or two. I didn't actually like hate it, drop it, and then come back to it, which is usually my MO for games. I liked it right away. And then after two years, I feel like I've kind of dipped back in here and there i think some of the fun has kind of worn off for me at this point i played for a couple of hours today um, and hadn't in a while but i think the way that the way i think about it is like there there are kind of probably at least two sort of different ways that people like approach this game or play it so the the goal the obvious goal when you land in a map is you're supposed to find these like four different items and you put the four different items like basically on this pedestal and then you get to, you like win, you get to go into a new world again, but you get to bring some stuff with you. Or you can just kind of like entrench yourself and set up camp <laughs> and like yeah. Dreamlight Valley it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how I play it. I Dreamlight Valley it. Yeah. Um, so I'm like really interested in like, how big can my garden be? Uh, <laughs> and I set myself up in proximity, proximity to the yaks in a good way. Yep. Um, so that's kind of like my approach to it. And I think the reason I didn't get burned out of it, I think when I first started playing, like a lot of the contention, right, is there's no tutorial. Like people Mm -hmm. hate that. People hate the fact that it doesn't handhold at all. But the wiki is really helpful. So I think when I started playing, I was just like, well, I'm not going to put up with that. So I just like, like, (laughs) how do you get started with this? What do these things mean? And I like read for like 15 minutes and I was like, well, I know enough to play the game now. And that made it easy enough that it didn't turn me off. Totally. That's interesting because... You know, often that's kind of my approach at this point. Mm -hmm. We've talked about this a lot of like, if a game is too hard for me, I no longer do the thing where I try to like power through it. Like the point is a game should be fun. So you can look things up. One of the things that I sort of recognized about this game that made this so difficult for me is that like, I don't remember things and reading instructions is entirely unhelpful to me. So like, that was one of the things like I had watched a, a video that was like, oh, like here's getting started in this. And it's supposed to be like this easy tutorial of uh, don't starve. And within like 45 seconds of this, I was like, he has said so many things. I have no <laughs> idea what's going on. And it's like with this, you know, because it's a crafting game, mm-hmm. obviously that's one of its central mechanics. It's like so much of it was like, I'd look at something and be like, okay, okay, okay. I need to craft a fire like you know or whatever like something that takes more than one ingredient to to make and then the second i'd close it i'd be like what it's saying 
Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, go back to trying to do that. And there's so much of like just kind of having to, like you said, like you're looking at the wiki, reading through like, OK, now I know what I need to do. It's important that you then remember that you need yeah. to do those things after. And that was one of the tricky parts for me. I think there's also this way in which like part of that, I read like the, an interview with the developer and they were talking about balancing wanting to figure it out and get it right versus like encouraging players to explore. Mm -hmm. And I think for me too, like once I did figure out what my strategy was, I wasn't really incentivized to deviate from that. Right. So like in terms of memorizing everything, it's like I've memorized like the 15 objects. Yeah. That are the objects that I like, that I know work for my play style, but I've never particularly felt incentivized to explore beyond that, which is maybe right. a shortcoming. Yeah, I think I play similarly to you, even if it doesn't necessarily like work as well for me. I think I have a very similar way of playing. I tend to kind of stick to the the same sorts of things, figure out the things that I like, Um you know, and like I said, the problem for me with doing that is that I tend to be a little too safe. And so in my pursuit of not dying, I, you know, tend to like hunker down and stuff like that. The second it starts to get a little dusky, I'm like, ah, run to my camp, run to my camp, run to my camp. But like the other things about like kind of being like, OK, I think I understand what my strategy is. Once I've got that, there wasn't a sense of like, what if I broke away? Right. It's like now I'm like, however many days in, do I want to like fuck with it at this point? <laughs> like, we're just going to yeah. keep keep going with that. Yeah. So one thing I want to differentiate with this game, because I think it can help us understand roguelikes and this game and why it connects to some of us and why it doesn't is the difference between a difficult game and a punishing game. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people talk about this game as a difficult game, and I don't think that it actually is. Mm. I think it feels that way, especially because it doesn't have a tutorial, yeah. right? But once you look up a few things, it's, it's really not that difficult. Uh, it certainly doesn't re require a lot of, you know, uh, quick re uh, reflex kind of stuff. Right. And it, it doesn't require too much thought. Once you know the, the 15 things that you want, you're like, yeah. okay, I'm going to do these things. I'm going to get this here. But it's an incredibly punishing game. And so at least my experience of it was. And so what I mean by that is you play for a bit and then your first time through, eventually you starve. Right. It told you not to, but you did it. I don't know if I ever starved. I just always got killed by something. You guys. OK, let me tell you about my experience. <laughs> Go on. I read nothing. <laughs> first mistake. There, there was a game, and I decided to play it. Oh, yeah, same. Uh, I, I <laughs> you know really, I read nothing. <laughs> I really like to play games that way. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I feel unless it comes with a manual, that's the way it has asked you to play it. Right. right? I don't think it's right for doing that necessarily or wrong. It's just like, let's, let's engage in it this way. I can never go back to a place where I didn't read it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right? So let's, let's try it this way and find out what happens. And so, that, so I died pretty quickly. And then I went back and I played again. And now I'm living longer. I made it, I think, like seven or eight days. Right. The second time through. And uh, something killed me. <laughs> right. Something that I, if I remember right, it was something that I didn't even know could kill me. I think it was a wild boar. Sure. And I was like, oh, cool. Something for hunting. Uh, let me see. Where <laughs> is my spear? 
going through my inventory and I'm dead. Okay, cool. Yeah, cool. taking that your was sweet fun. time. Yeah. <laughs> and is eight days of progress. Right. Just gone. Yeah. Just immediately gone. So that is over an hour because it's eight minutes a day. Yeah. And that's assuming that you're not pausing the game and doing other things. Sure. All right. So now I play it again. And this time, I, I think I died another time, but then I finally got it working. Still haven't looked anything up. And I made it to day 11. And I am killing it. I've gone through wormholes. I've come back through wormholes. I've met yaks. I've met pig people. I have used my old sciency thing. I have made like a, a suit of clothes. I've made multiple suits of clothes. I have preferences about my suits of clothes. <laughs> and then I put the game down that night and I was like, wow. Okay, I'm starting to see why people like this game. Right. And the next day I picked up my Steam Deck to play it again. And I went, I don't think I can. <laughs> yeah. Because what if yeah, I die? Right. I cannot do all of this again. And so that was my experience of it being punishing. Those first few days were so... I had just done them... I've now played the game for three hours. <laughs> and two and a half of, of those hours are the same 30 minutes over and over and over and over. Right. Right. The, the opening 30 minutes of gathering a few things. And I was just like, I just can't. I, <laughs> I can't. Because what if I die? Yeah. Like, I literally will break my Steam Deck. I just can't. And so I think of Hades actually as a fairly difficult game right. that's not very punishing. Right. Right. It makes the actual death, first off, rewarding in a similar way that um, Don't Starve does, where you gain XP, you get new things, they'll kind of open things up for you. Hades gives you more of those things as you go. And Hades encourages you to die a lot very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, whereas the gameplay of this game, I think, encourages you, discourages you from dying. Right. Right. And so it's, it's kind of a different experience there. And it, it's to that extent, your mileage may vary. Mm -hmm. Like which parts of that mm -hmm. are you into? And then Gabby, I'd love to know more from your experience with the spreadsheet, with the reading the wiki and all of that. Are you in a place where you're scared of dying when you play it? Do you feel that fear or is it just like, no, I know what I'm doing. I've got it. I'm fine. So Stardew Valley is a game that after like, you know, after putting a lot of hours into it, I like read the wiki and like found like the list yes. of challenges to make it harder for yourself on Reddit, like did all the stuff with this. I spent like 10 minutes on the wiki. I'm not an expert. I'm not steep mm -hmm. sure. the lore um, sure. and all of that stuff. I don't think I was ever afraid of dying with this mm. game, which is weird because I, I really like, I can't play Hades. Like I just find it so frustrating to just right. constantly die and I think hearing you talk about it, Jason, like a couple of the differences for me are that I don't mind grindy collection things. Mm -hmm. I find it, I find it pretty soothing. So like having to do that multiple times, like kind of is pleasing to me, doesn't feel like a waste of time, isn't stressful, is relaxing. And then I think like with Hades, I'm not particularly skillful in terms of like timing or reflexes or anything like that. So I never felt when I played Hades, like I was getting better. Mm. I just felt like I'm just continuing to die. I'm not actually getting better. But like when I played Don't Starve and I got really into it, I felt like I was learning mm. like each time, like mm. I felt like I was actually going to be better yeah. the next time I played it. Like I learned not to interact with this thing this way. Like, oh, I learned <laughs> not to leave, you know, my cooked food too close to the fire because it can combust. <laughs> I'm not going to um, so I felt like I was like accruing knowledge in a way that was like kept me going instead of just feeling like I'm not getting any better at this. So you and I both like knitting. That is one of the things that we have bonded over. Did you say knitting? Knitting. Yeah. 
And I think we differ a lot on knitting as well, where I am more product oriented and you are more process oriented. Mm. Right now, your products are phenomenal. I love your work. I'm really impressed with it. But you are you approach it more like my mother who taught me. If I make a mistake, I'm like, oh, no, I have made a mistake. And my mom's like, it's no big deal. See, you just take the yarn and yank out the last five rows and then you go back to it again. And I was like, but I did those. But I did them. Unacceptable. But the mistake is is four rows earlier. So you got to yank out. No, I did them. You can't. I would never. Why? And so I have multiple hats with like just one failed stitch in it. Right. I would never. Why would you why would you pull out work that you have done? Can you imagine like you're jogging and you're like, oh, you know what? Half a mile back. I think I missed my left foot. I'll just run backwards for a mile and do it again. Like, I, I just can't imagine anything else in my life where I would do that. And and I think it's an approach. Yeah, this is why Keo had to rebuild my entire desk when I moved up here from the basement, because I built it downstairs and I realized I'd put something on backwards. And I was like, uh-huh. still standing. And like, am I really going to go back and take out all those screws? And then when Keo saw it, he was like, what, I'm going to leave it like that? I'm like, it would have been fine. But he went back and he fixed my mistake where I'm like you. I'm like, no, I mean, am I going to die? Uh, is it is it that broken or will it work? Uh, and I just I'm good from there. So I think that like resonates with me with why this. Yeah, this. And you say, Gabby, like, you know, you don't mind grinding and everything goes along with that. Um, again, I think Ben is better at grinding in things. Um, and we played something recently that I remember had like a lot of grinding in it. And I was like, fuck this. I can't remember what it was, but I just remember being like, Mm-mm, absolutely not. Yeah. This sucks. Ben got a, a prize in the Stanley parable yes. for clicking on a door uh, 400 some odd times. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's the same door. Oh my God. He didn't know that achievement existed. Nope. It wasn't giving different responses, but he thought it might <laughs> eventually. Ben collected every little speck of dust on the floor in Thimbleweed Park throughout the entire game. I also don't think there was an achievement for that. It was simply a thing he did throughout the game. I think your screen does tell you when you got them all. Uh, oh, right? yeah. Or, or it tells you how many there are. Yeah, right. Right? That's it. And then I love, I love grindy games. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Some of my favorite games are grindy games. Diablo is a great grindy game. Mm-hmm. And even in that one, I have to remind myself it's okay when I lost things. Mm-hmm. Right? When, when you lose certain things. I love uh, RPGs. Uh, I love uh, turn-based RPGs, which are famous for having really grindy things. Right, Persona 5, one of my favorite yeah. games. Uh, 120 hours, 119 of which are not story. Are <laughs> just you doing the same battles over and over and over. And so I love grindy stuff. But I think I have to have, have a feeling of forward momentum. And even with Persona 5, when I was like, ooh, I've got to go back three hours. Oh, my gosh. I could never. I could never. It's like, why not, Jason? You totally could. You're enjoying just vibing with this game. Guess what? You got three free hours. Isn't that great? I mean, I I wonder how much of it, though, is just like enjoying the world that you're in in whatever game. Because like I I like Persona 5, but I didn't like grinding in it at all. Mm. Like that was just not. But I, I guess like. Don't starve a couple. I mean, we could talk a little bit about Death Stranding because when I was playing 
starve this time, it made me think like, Ooh, I definitely have a type and Jason's <laughs> not going to like this because he doesn't like death stranding either. But there's something about, so I don't know if we already said it, but it's a procedurally generated map. Mm-hmm. And it's, I feel like it's a huge map. Like when you zoom yeah. out, look at the map, it's like an, yeah. like an Elden Ring level. Like, oh my gosh, this is so huge. And it's like, I find the art style very pleasing. I find the music very pleasing. I like being alone in the environment. Like I like <laughs> games, I feel really isolated. Mm. So I think part of it is just like, it's, it's a, I don't always love grinding, but it's a relaxing space mm. for me to kind of just be in. I don't know. Does that make sense? Is that too? I I think I, I unlocked something. And I think it's actually the loneliness. <laughs> I don't like lonely games. I love uh, lonely games. Well, I think well, I, I don't I either. I didn't know that I didn't like yeah, it until right. you just said that, which is I, I realized in Diablo, yeah. the only class I will play as is the necromancer. Yeah. Because you can have a whole little army of, of mm. buddies with you. The idea of me just wandering alone through the wilderness having these these battles is so sad because I guess my feeling of it is just, and we'll psychoanalyze me later. It's just like, <laughs> what for? Right. Who, who do I have to share this with? Uh, it's not even a loneliness like, oh, I'm so alone. I wish, I wish there was someone else. It's just like, look, I killed a monster. Look, some, anyone? No. <laughs> well, monster's dead. And my character, I guess, has a new knife. Cool. Um, and like, I, yeah. So I, I wonder how much it's the loneliness. Cause Cult of the Lamb kind of worked for me, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but I didn't love it. Right. And I think a lot of Cult of the Lamb is very, very lonely. That's um, true. I can see that. Stardew Valley, I love, love. There's no loneliness. It's the mm. opposite of loneliness. Yeah, it's an anti-lonely game. It's all about oh. <laughs> What are other lonely yeah, games? Because Death Stranding is a hella lonely game. I want to get back to it, by the way. I want to play Death oh, Stranding again. Fallout, Fallout 3 is pretty lonely. I remember really like, or you can play it. So yeah. Oh, you know what I did, though, in New Vegas is I would always get a companion. <laughs> I had a dog and a companion. That we stresses me out. It was the best. Oh, I loved it. Either of you play back to Don't Starve. Did either of you play as one of the characters that has a companion or did either of you get one of the in-game companions? I don't think I played with anyone who had a companion i tried out a couple other characters but uh, no companions with them i got 11 days in and turned it off to go do other things and then came back and was like it is too much of an emotional hurdle to ever open this game i have on three or four different occasions pulled up my steam deck opened the app got to the menu and just went nope i think you like i wasn't putting my finger on why i was having a hard time after a while playing again too but i think you've like kind of nailed that that that's exactly what it is is that like now because it was like i was playing for a while and then keo started playing and you know he was home for like four or five days or whatever in a row so then he like settled in and was playing and he was like having a blast so then when i went to pick it up again i was like you know i <laughs> i started playing again and i can't remember how many days into it i was but i was pretty far in and then i was like I kept turning it off because mm. I was like, oh, I feel like like I, I was like, I couldn't necessarily put my finger on it. But I think that was it is like I'd make like a few moves and then I'd be like, I don't totally remember exactly now after a week what I'm supposed to be doing. And I think my hang up was being like, and thus I'm vulnerable <laughs> and I have gotten this far and I don't want to die. So I don't want to keep going. Here's here's another thing. 
I ran across this with Ben, and I think there's an insight here somewhere, which is, okay, so I want to say that the crafting in this game is cumbersome, that I don't like the controls. Yeah, okay? me neither. But I think that that is almost always a cop-out. Mm. So Ben and I were disagreeing about, I still remember it, Breath of the Wild and Red Dead Redemption 2, mm-hmm. where I hated Red Dead Redemption 2, he hated Breath of the Wild. And we both pointed to the controls. <laughs> and we were both like, no, the controls are so bad. It's the controls. It's, they're so counterintuitive. They just don't work. They do this. And it's like, by the way, we both loved Elden Ring. Mm-hmm. Those controls like hate you and make you like <laughs> learn new controls. The, the whole the whole thing is shaped around your finger doing this weird crooked thing. And it's making fun of the way people hold their controllers with this just janky control system that the Souls like uses. It's not the controls, but I think mm. controls end up being the straw person that you use when there's something else that you don't like. Mm-hmm. So that's not to say that there's never a game where it's like the controls hold it back. I'm sure that exists, and I'm sure that that's true, too. It's when you can't put your finger on it, you go to your finger and you say, like, ah, it's the controls. I didn't, <laughs> the, the controls didn't work. I didn't like it because I'm not mm-hmm. having a good time. So it must be the controls. Something feels wrong. Right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, definitely. I can see that. I think the other thing that's that's interesting in, in what you said, Gabby, too, is the idea of like being in the world, being like kind mm. of soothing or something and like that you enjoy that loneliness or things like that. I think that also made me think of the fact that like notoriously, I do not give a fuck about the world in anything. <laughs> um, yeah. And my dear podcast co-host Mark from my other podcast, like he is so into the world of the games mm-hmm. that he's in and he'll like you know send me like screenshots of something being like look at how beautiful the sun rays coming through the window <laughs> in this game are or whatever and i don't notice this stuff at all when i play a game i'm like who am i fighting where's my like you know my next goal that i'm trying to accomplish or things like that and i think that that like on games with like huge maps like this and, and things like that are that's often kind of tricky for me because of that, that I'm like, I'm uninterested in exploring this world. And if you don't want to explore this world, I think, you know, in a game like this, you're kind of SOL. Like you have to, it, there's so much to it and you need to, you know, open all of this up and expand it and all of that kind of stuff. And if you like deeply do not care about the world you're supposed to be absorbed in, I think that that's, you know, difficult. So that might be another thing <laughs> that just didn't quite connect with me because it's, again, not the way I game or think or whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a game. It's a little sandboxy too, right? So you kind of yeah. have to make your own fun to mm. some extent. Like, I think when it comes down to it, not to knock the fact that Jason starved. Um, <laughs> it's Many, I, there's, many there's, times weird way in which it's really not that hard to stay alive Mm -hmm. i think if you like if you if you've played it a bit it's really not that hard to stay alive if you don't do anything yes yeah exactly it's not a a difficult game it super isn't yeah right so i mean like i think like one strategy that kind of like blew my mind after i realized it was like oh i don't actually need food for the first two days (laughs) at all period yeah so you could just use the first two days totally doing whatever else you want because right. you don't actually need to eat. Yeah. So it's kind of like counterintuitive in that way. But yeah, like if you're not interested in exploring the world, nothing really comes to you unless mm-hmm. you do stuff. Yeah. So have you two played Toe Jam and Earl? Mm-mm. Like when I was in like fourth grade or whatever, <laughs> a very long time ago. I've heard of it. So I, I, I feel like you never heard of it. Mm-hmm. 
awesome. So I, I feel like it's an influence on Don't Starve. Mm, okay. um, it is, interestingly enough, a roguelike uh, for the Sega Genesis. Um, I'm going to share uh, a screen right now. Uh, but especially since this was one of the few roguelikes on this early system, I wonder how many of the developers played this. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, it was that was a deeply popular game. I'm sure hugely influential on this. And you're right. I can absolutely see that there. Also, it's interesting to just watch like a clip of that or whatever. It's always fascinating to watch a game that you played when you were a kid, but like haven't revisited. And you're like, these graphics were top of the line. And you're like, oh, that's what that looked like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I didn't I do not remember that being what this game looked like, but OK. I mean, I do. It looks very familiar, but at the same time, like, wow. Yep. I feel like Jurassic Park is the only piece of media that looks so good. No matter <laughs> oh. how old I get and how much time passes, it's like that's still a real dinosaur. Yes. And holds up. Uh, have you watched Twister lately? No, but I should. Twister. Absolutely still looks okay. pretty much just as good as it did when it came out because it's the days of using the CG sparingly. Uh, seriously. <laughs> but yes, you're right, though. Very few things actually still look as good as you thought they did when they came out. Uh, I will say something really disappointing, which is that um, I, I googled Toe and Earl and Don't Starve together, uh-huh. and all of the hits were people saying, Wow, this new Toe Jam and Earl game really reminds me of Don't Starve. Because <laughs> they did do a sequel to Toe Jam and Earl like a few years ago, uh, 2017, it looks like. Wow. And everybody looked at it and was like, oh, that, given a lot of Don't Starve. Yeah, I, I get that. I think I'd take that as validation of your initial point. There we go. <laughs> Even in reverse. The developers I, I read in the interview I was looking at, they said that they were inspired by Minecraft, which I mean, I know about, but I've never played. And then a game that I hadn't heard of called, I think it was called Deep Blue or something mm. like that. I'm not sure if I've heard of that or not. I have not heard of it, but I think it's it's kind of like an exploration mm-hmm. based. I can see that. Have either of you played Minecraft? No. Is this <laughs> Minecrafty? No. Okay. <laughs> That's the thing. I'm like, from what I know of it, I don't see how this would be <laughs> Minecrafty, but I've never played it, so... Um, Lost in Blue is the other uh, okay. influence. Um, I mean, you craft in it, and it's very sandboxy. Um, maybe I didn't get far enough in this. And I guess there's the day-night cycle, mm. right, in Minecraft. Okay. But Minecraft, to me, has so little character compared to this. And so much ability to create whatever you imagine compared to this, mm-hmm. right? There's not as much room for expressivity, I think, in Don't Starve. Uh, for player expressivity but there's a much more defined aesthetic and story and like character as opposed to minecraft steve which i know that there are many many adaptations and novelizations and things minecraft steve probably has a whole backstory but the basic gameplay of minecraft is very very expressive right you can do things but there really doesn't feel like any desire to we're just being dropped by that person who says don't starve Right. Mm-hmm. Makes you think like, I need to find that person. I've got to do something. There's a there's a story here. There's a thing to do. And in terms of expressivity, there's a much more limited number of things you can do in this game mm-hmm. than in Minecraft. Uh, in the sense that, you know, people have made working Game Boys in Minecraft. <laughs> I mean, it's it's insane what people have done with Minecraft. You can really do some some interesting, weird stuff. But I, I guess I get I could see someone who really enjoys Minecraft really liking this game. 
depending on what they liked about Minecraft. Yeah. Yeah. And that they were inspired by it doesn't necessarily mean they were trying to make the right. same game or whatever so much as there was some sort of driving thing about it that <laughs> they were trying to emulate. I, I see. I feel like it's much more like on, in the first meeting, somebody was like, well, I've been playing a lot of Minecraft. Somebody else was like, me too. And they're like, well, I've been reading Edward Gore. They're like, me too. And they're like, hey, what if we did some of these? And then they went and did a bunch of other stuff. And they look back at that first meeting. And they're like, so I guess it was kind of inspired by Minecraft. They're like, I, right. if you say so, I mean, it's Let's been see. five years, but sure. Yeah. Maybe Minecraft was just on everyone's minds at the time. Right, yeah, it's at the time. Society at large was thinking about Minecraft. We played something a, a few months ago. Again, I, I can never remember what games we play, but I just remember there was something that we played that it was like, it started as an entirely different game altogether. <laughs> and, you know, by the time the final product came around, it was like kind of in-name only the same yeah. game so like i'm trying to remember the name weird. of that game yeah i'm like i can't remember what it was but it's like things take weird Ugh. journeys sometimes like maybe in the beginning of whatever they were starting to, de to develop there was a lot of like minecraft bones in it but after their development and after all this like this process also that they were doing with the, pe the people playing it yeah. and all that kind of stuff it probably you know bears much less resemblance to some of its initial influences now that people other people have had their hands in it which, like, like I said, like Keo, when he got this, you know, a decade ago, it didn't hit for him at all. And whatever all of those hands in there did, yeah. once he played it this time, he was like, yeah, he was in, you know, <laughs> he spent days just like all day playing that game. So I think that's fascinating to think of this game being like so deeply influenced by the people playing it to a degree that you don't you don't really hear of like at least not for like a sort of mainstream game i'm sure there's plenty of like <laughs> you know whatever kinds of stuff that people make that are collaborative but yeah i think that's really interesting i mean i i do feel though like with this game to some extent like even if you hate it if someone forced you to play it for long enough you probably wouldn't hate it anymore because the <laughs> yeah. dying would go away right like there would yeah. just come a point where yeah. you would figure it out enough and it would stop being, you would stop feeling so vulnerable and it would stop hurting so much. <laughs> and it, you would at worst probably have ambivalence towards it. Yeah. I think, um, you know, probably the thing about this is that not feeling like I'm necessarily working towards anything makes the fear of dying worse. Sure. So like, you know, if, if I knew I was going to get end credits or something like that, or, you know, there was like, once I hit this day, X thing happens or whatever, but being kind of like, I, I guess I can just keep going. And like, I don't know how long this goes or if it's forever or whatever. Um, not necessarily having like huge tangible leaps forward and what I'm able to do yeah. each time I die and things like that. That is what I think for me makes it like more daunting to die is that I'm just like, I don't feel like I'm going anywhere afterwards. I'm just starting over. Did either of you play adventure mode? No, no, it is. But I read about it hard. <laughs> oh, really? I can't even. It is very, very hard. Can I tell my adventure mode horror story? Do it. Yes, but I but I have to tell you first that your experience with adventure mode is my experience with the base game. <laughs> I realize that it's not hard, right? Yeah. I realize that. And Gabby, if you read a list of things to do, I'm sure that it wouldn't be that hard for you. But Ooh, sick burn. But no, no, I'm just saying like you're in the rhythm of the original. 
and it works for you. Yeah, no, for sure. Without any rhythm? Oh. For sure, for sure. Um, I get that. So adventure mode is you like come across a doorway in any of the levels in like regular mode. And if you go through the doorway, you start adventure mode. And adventure mode is a five level cycle. That's is that the thing that like it kind of warns you, like, do you want to do this when yes. you oh the correct is answer it? is always no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you die in adventure mode, I believe it just spits you back into your story mode game. Mm, okay. If you die in adventure mode, you die in real life. <laughs> yeah, that's why it's so hard, really, yeah. at the end of the day. Um, but so it's a five level cycle. When you get to the end of the five levels, you you beat the game. Like there's plot, like mm. it kind of tells you like what's going on a little bit, and it's like narrative closure or what have you. And the five, I think there are like ten levels that it can pull from, but the last two are always the same, and they get increasingly harder, and they're a lot harder than the base game. So like the last level is the base game, but it's pitch black the entire time. Oh gosh. <laughs> it's just, you just can't see anything you're just doing it pretty much in the dark with a torch um but wow. it's like pretty much the size of the map so you have to get through all of those and, and when you get through all of them there's what looks like a cutscene. so i did it once and i got through all of them um and i did this by command by force quitting if you so if you were struggling with the game and you want to keep playing <laughs> um if you force quit before your death animation is over and you reload in, uh, you have not died. <laughs> wow. That takes some of the edge off too. Um, yep. so through doing that and like restarting many, many times, I like made it to the end of adventure mode. And I like still distinctly remember I'm like sitting in bed with my partner and I'm like, holy crap. Like I made it to the end. Like, this is it. This is the cutscene. Oh my God. I can't believe. And there's like this extended cutscene going on between Wilson, if you're playing as Wilson and Maxwell, who's like the, the bad guy, whatever. And Maxwell's like sitting in this throne of bones and they're like talking back and forth. So I thought it was a cutscene. So I'm just kind of like, like, oh, no, fidgeting. I'm just oh, like, no. like, I'm like shouting at Greg, like, oh, my God, I did it. And I'm just like kind of like fidgeting with my thing. I'm just like I have my spear and I'm just like hitting the throne or whatever. No, oh no. <laughs> I, I i did not play the game for like a year after that did you kill him what <laughs> I happened did, i did um i died like oh during gosh. the end cut scene no. <laughs> so oh, i didn't oh. i didn't unlock if you complete that if you just sit still not fidgeting um and let the cutscene play out you unlock maxwell as a playable character which is like the biggest trophy you can get in the game um and i did not do that <laughs> because i was twiddling with and like smacking the the throne with my because I thought it was a cutscene. I'm, didn't think I'm even I'm even angrier at this game now. <laughs> but now I'm now I'm angry for you. If I had just yeah. read the wiki, surely, surely. I would have known. Surely. <laughs> this um, is um, oh my gosh, Gabby, my my co-host Mark. He was playing Returnal and uh, died one too many times after a very long run. He was like two hours into this or whatever. Uh, and he got up with his family all around him and everything, and he calmly took the controller, his PS5 controller, walked out into his backyard, and as everyone watched through the glass patio door, he smashed his controller to absolute bits. <laughs> and this is what uh, I am imagining 
your brain was doing at the but, point of this happening. Like just yes, I, I was screaming, no. but the sound was coming out. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and I just like quietly turned it off and like put my computer away and didn't play the game again for like a year. Yeah, yeah, you can't. It's betrayed you at this point, or you've betrayed yourself, but without knowing. Yes, yeah, <sighs> that's rough. I felt very foolish. Well, I am excited for two or three years from now when I pick up Don't Starve Again and fall in love with it and right, call yeah. you Gabby and say, like, it's the best game ever. <laughs> you were right. I, I was wrong and I'm sorry. Uh, but until <laughs> then, uh, I'm going to be drinking and I'm going to be singing. Let's Ooh. go to what is the drink and what is the song? This game's pretty fun with frustration when I was all done. Had to question what's the beer, what's the song? I can't always tell. I just want to know what game is Westy 12. All right, uh, Gabby. Uh, well, actually, I, I don't want to start with our guest, I don't want to put you on the spot. I'll, mm. I'll go ahead and start, then we'll go to Corey and then you, uh, so you can see how it's done. Right. We'll, we'll show you how it's done. How do you pick as seasoned professionals at the what's the drink? What's the song? Uh, and so I, I chose uh, Backwoods, Backwoods Bastard, a beer from uh, Founders. It's a good beer. It is a uh, bourbon barrel aged scotch ale. If you look at an image of it, it it definitely feels like something that could be in the game. Um, I also felt like Maxwell was a Backwoods Bastard, like he we were in the woods and he was not being nice to me. He was a real backwoods bastard. That's what I <laughs> don't want to use strong language, but gosh darn it. Did you say that was Founders? Yes. Hmm. Isn't, that, isn't that like the racist company? What? Yeah, hmm. that's like my husband won't. I accidentally buy him Founders what? all the time. No. And then he's like, you can't, you can't buy me Founders because they're racist. No. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, yeah. Okay. I was like, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure yep. that's the one I keep accidentally yep. getting. That's uh, Texas. Really multiple, multiple uh, racial discrimination lawsuits. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. Anyway, <laughs> no, the, the description of the beer also fits really well. Um, <laughs> well, I was thinking you know, you're like backwards bastard. And I'm like, from the racists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's yeah. not to diminish the meaning to the game, but you know, well, now you see how it's done, Gabby. <laughs> that's see, how you, it's done. You pick your drink and then I explain why yeah. it's problematic. Yeah. That's how this goes. Corey, what's your drink? Um, my drink, um, listen, it's gotta be problematic in some way is Pepsi. The pedophile company? The pedophile company? I'm sure they must be stealing somebody's water somewhere or something like that. Um, but listen, I pick Pepsi because the thing about Pepsi uh, is that like your first sip, and I mean diet Pepsi, to be honest with you, I can't drink sugar. I'm an adult. But <laughs> your first like sip or two of Pepsi is like, oh, man, this is so good. Why do I ever drink Coke? This is delicious. <laughs> And then it's like like four or five sips in, you're like, oh, this is this is sweet. <laughs> and by the time you get to the bottom of the bottle, you're like, I don't think I like Pepsi. Um, and this is the sort of diminishing return sort of feel that I had of this, of getting sort of a little too much of what was a good thing. 
But once I'd had too much of it, I was I was a little over it. Um, yeah. So Pepsi is my drink. Nice. Uh, Pepsi actually gets a shout out in the novel Lovecraft Country uh, for being anti-racist. So uh, opposite, oh. Corey. But thank you. Thank oh, you. There we go. I was trying to like you know, be like, listen, Jay, we're on the same wavelength. <laughs> that was all of us. But same page. Oh, no, Pepsi's you know. a good one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, by the way, I, I did read uh, like two or three paragraphs into that news story, uh, and uh, I am no longer buying Founders. Well, um, so there we go. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> very, it's very open and shut. Go Google it yourself. Yeah, it's one of like rare things because like normally I'm the one just like this ruining things for everybody. And it's very rare that it's like Keo is like, like something is bad enough that he's like, no, I. Phew. Yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a firm nay. So, yeah. yep. There we go. No. Yep. Gabby, what is your problematic drink? Uh, well, now I kind of almost don't want to say it because I'm going to be sad if it turns out they are problematic. <laughs> Because I still drink them. <laughs> we won't Google it. There we go. Um, I was going to say Dogfish Head 90 Minute IPA because I drank a lot of that while I was playing this. Nice. And it's also something that for me, I have discovered I liked the nine, 90 Minute IPA when I was like 22, 23. And now I can't drink the 90 Minute IPA. I only drink the 60 Minute IPA. Because uh, the 90 minute IPA, it's just a little too much. It's, it's well, cool. especially after 830. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know, it's late. It's almost too, dare I say, too hoppy somehow. Yeah. Mm, um, okay. So it hasn't aged super well for me. The uh, the creator of Dogfish Head, uh, the, the head brewer, uh, had a, his own TV show for a while on Discovery or TLC. It was great. I really liked it. He oh. seems like a cool guy. Uh, and he's got this big, old classic red. Uh, Ford pickup truck, you know, the, like from the fifties, yeah, like with all the rounded right. things, oh, and on those. the back he has put the words "so much depends upon a red wheelbarrow," right? Oh. This quote from William Carlos Williams, who was a womanizer, Gabby, who cheated on his I wife, like oh, incredibly is. abusive, <laughs> incredibly a horrible person, Gabby. I love nice. person. I, I still like William. Carlos. I do too. I love William. Williams. I love my favorite Billy Carl Bill. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh. Although I kind of judge someone who has the red wheelbarrow quote, which is not my favorite William Carlos Williams poem on their so, track. So is that not my favorite meaning you don't like it? Or is it just like his failure to pick your favorite? Right. Yeah. Is, is... It's just over. It gets too much airtime. That poem. Mm, it's, over. it's basic. Yeah, it is. It's a basic William Carlos Williams poem. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I said it. There you go. Put it out there. Yep. From Spring and All, which is a phenomenal. I love Spring and All. Yeah. Spring and All is great. Uh, and that poem in there is fine. It uh, is fine. <laughs> but man, the rest of that book is good. So good. Uh, I'm with you on that. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's talk. Yep. I was, sorry. I was just going to say what racist song or song by a potentially problematic or racist person did you pick, Jason? Yeah, I, I guess I'm, <laughs> I'm keeping with the theme, which is uh, Violent Femmes uh, Country Death Song. Um, I wouldn't say the song isn't problematic. Uh, it's about feeling uh, very lonely in the woods. I've, I've always imagined it was Appalachia. And uh, there's a guy there with his family and he slowly murders them um, and sings a song about it. So it's <laughs> it's a great song. Nice. Uh, he actually doesn't slowly murder them. He only murders one of them and then commits suicide by the end of the song because he's so yeah. overcome with grief. But I was going to say, because he's bad at murder. He's but... bad. At murder. I mean, that really yeah. is being the worst at murder, killing yourself. Yeah, it's true. Uh, that's the lesson <laughs> I want you all to take from yes. today. Yes, <laughs> bring uh, that one with you. 
Thank you. <laughs> Always looking for learning outcomes on this podcast, and that was it. <laughs> Nailed it. I had me a wife. I had me some daughters. I tried so hard. I never knew still waters. Nothing to eat and nothing to drink. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is just being bad at murder. Uh, <laughs> trademarked Jason Helms. Uh, Corey, what is your song? Listen, I need help. And this is not the first time I've done this. Yeah. Uh, but I was, I was struggling a little. I've got it. I've got it if you want one. Okay. Do it. Do you want to ask the question? Should I, should I stop? I need wait? help picking my song. Sugar Rush from the Wreck-It Ralph soundtrack. Well, there it is. And we don't need to draw out the connection's why. Right, yeah. I think I feel great about it. You feel good? Play the tape, Benjamin. Sugar Rush! Sugar Rush! <laughs> it's so good. I've had that song stuck in my head, actually, a lot, frequently. And um, now it's back. Oh. Yep. There it is. I also really like the closing credits song from that movie. Um, that's one of those ones that... Oh, is it Owl City? Is it? It feels like it. I think, it, I think it's Owl City. It's, it's yeah. one of those that never made the radio or, or not around me, but I've always just really liked it. It's like, oh, this is a good one. It's a good one. Right, Gabby. Gabby. Um, I'm going to go quite literal. And Do it. I love a literal. I, just, I decided on um, What's This from Nightmare Before Christmas. Aww. Nice. Because it's like the cutesy one one from Nightmare. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That sense of exploration and wonder. What's this? What's this? There's color everywhere. What's this? There's white things in the air. What's this? I can't believe my eyes. I must be dreaming. Wake up, Jack. This isn't fair. What's this? What's this? What's this? By the way, that that is not literal with this crew. Literal is my favorite song for the game Don't Starve is the theme song to the game Don't Starve. Yes. Yes, that's a, that's a good one, though. I think that fits perfectly. Well, uh, our next piece is recommendation station. What's something you've been enjoying recently uh, that you'd like to tell other people that maybe they could enjoy as well? And I think last time I was already reading this book, so I probably said the Dying Earth series from Jack Vance. Uh, if I didn't, yeah, I it's good. It's fun. I'm really enjoying it. And then uh, I'm also playing a bunch of Diablo. I'm I'm very mm. excited to get back to Diablo. I've got a couple weeks before school starts up. I could I could probably finish the main campaign and feel good nice. about that. And um, I'm almost done with Tears of the Kingdom. I think I could finish it anytime I wanted. Like it's it's that feeling where you're like five to ten yeah. hours away from the ending. <laughs> but I enjoy being there so much I don't wanna finish it. So mm. I think I might just go make a bunch more like mechs with you know big flamethrowers coming out of their crotches. Nice. Or you know, whatever yeah. else I might do. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? It's a good game. Uh Gabby, what are you what are you reading, watching, playing? What or or just hey, here's a helpful life hack. Ooh, life hacks are good too. Whatever you got. Ooh. Um I'm not playing much of anything right now other than Battlefront and I'm still playing Dreamlight Valley. Nice. But I just read Poison for Breakfast, which Ooh, is I like this title. Yeah, it's the I have it somewhere. It's the new, like arguably for everyone, but I think it's just for adults, book by Lemony Snicket, which is the 
pen name of Daniel Handler. Right. Uh, so it's kind of a series of unfortunate events-ish, maybe kind of throwback thing for the adults, really, who I think read it um, as children. And I have found it to be interesting and touching um, and have enjoyed it quite a bit. It's short. It's like 120 pages, but I would recommend it, especially if you're a fan of Daniel Handler. Nice. All right. I want to say, I think Keo, my husband, is so. Speaking of uh, Gashley Crumb Tinies. What? Uh, it just has that vibe. Yeah. Edward Gorey. Hmm. Oh, okay. Nice. What did you say? Gashley Crumb Tinies. Oh. I that's like, a, the, yawned at the same moment, so uh, it made that even more undiscernible. <laughs> uh, well, that's, a, that's the, uh, you know, N is for Neville who died of ennui. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. It's, it's the Gashley Crumb Tinies. Love that one. So good. Uh, anything else? Yeah, Corey, what do you recommend? Okay. Um, let's see. Okay. Uh, book club this past month or last month. So the July book club. Are you going to plug your other podcast? That's what you recommend? Um, it's a book club. Hello. Not the same thing. The Jack of All Graves book club from the oh! Jack of All Graves podcast. Oh, is it uh, <laughs> Which you can check out at jackofallgraves.com slash book club. Um, no, last month, um, one of the members picked the book. Uh, normally at the beginning of the year, me and uh, Ryan Clark from the Laydown podcast go through and we pick out all of the books that we're going to read for the entire year. But uh, Eileen was like, I have one that I would like to suggest. Um, and it was called Revenge by Yoko Agawa. And mm. this book absolutely blew my goddamn mind. Um, I think, and all of us who read it were, uh, this is a book that is like 140 pages or something like that. All short stories that circle back and connect to sort of one arc of sorts. And we ended up like talking for like nearly two hours <laughs> about this book. And it is, it's, just incredible. It's hard for me to really describe this book. Revenge is the wrong title for it, but I googled the J Japanese title and naturally that is not what the title is. But essentially you're kind of, it's a book about loss and grief and memory um, and, you know, the fallibility of memory. Um, and it's, yeah, it's incredible. So I highly recommend Revenge by Yoko Ogawa. It's a quick read. Um, and one that I said, you know, during the, the book club that I finished it and I just like burst into tears. And I was like, I don't know why. <laughs> like, I think I'm just like overwhelmed by feeling something from mm -hmm. this book. I'm not sad necessarily. I'm not happy or anything like that. It was just like, whew, yeah, that was a lot. So <laughs> big recommend that book. Yeah. Blew my mind. When did you say it was from, Corey? That's a good question. I'm actually... Published in Japan in 1998. I was going to say it was sometime in the 90s. Okay. 2013 in English. Ooh. There we go. Yeah. And the title, according to Google Translate, translates to, and this cannot be right, Subject City Lewd Funeral. But I yeah, like that was Lewd not Funeral. what I... <laughs> Lewd Funeral is a good subtitle. That is really good. I like It's definitely not Subject City. No, um, absolutely not. Um, I can't remember what it was. It's something like very metal, what it actually like ooh. translates directly into. Lewd funerals, pretty metal. You're right. That is metal. Metal. I mean, come on. <laughs> that's very true. That's if I ever put out an album, that's going to be what it's called. Thanks, Google Translate. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm also uh, I've been, you know, in 
Spain and Portugal the last couple of weeks. And while I was in Spain, all I did was sit by the pool um, and read. And so I was reading Dracula, which I've never read before. I'm not a big vampire person. Um, I have seen the like OG movie a bajillion years ago, but not like in my adult life. And I deeply hate the like very horny Keanu Reeves one. And the thing is, like, I think when I like think of Dracula and stuff like that, like it's always like just like a little too horny. Um, and so I but I was like I'm gonna read the book just to I think it was because when I was in England in April I was like thinking about going to Whitby and you know then I was like wait this is where Dracula came from and all this kind of stuff but I'm really enjoying the book uh I'm having so much fun with it big recommend it I love that the beginning of it just is like a food blog which is delightful Um, and uh I got to the chapter about uh, like, you know, the last voyage of the Demeter. And I am a huge boat core fan, as we like to call it on Joe Ag. I, I, my favorite genre of horror is spooky boats. And so I got to that chapter and I immediately was like, has anyone either written a book or created a movie about this because I need that in my life. There's one coming out next week. Uh, and and I was about to say, yes. <laughs> like, are you kidding me right now? The timing could not be better. So I recommend Dracula, and I'm hoping to recommend this movie as well. Oh, I'm excited about that. That's good. That movie. I'm stoked on it. The trailer for the movie does not look horny at all. Like that was no, my not at all. In watching it, was like, huh, this is the yeah. least sexy vampire thing I've ever <laughs> right. seen. That's exactly what I need in my life. The The image that you have in that chapter or like in the chapter right before where you get that story, right? So like when the boat comes ashore and you've just got like the captain tied to the front of the boat, you know, dead. And everyone's just like seeing this come in. I'm like, that is the greatest horror image I've seen in my life. Like, I was just like, oh, it's so good. I like really hope the movie starts with that. Like, that's what I want is for the movie to begin with just fucking the boat approaching with the corpse on it and then Mm. go back to where it came from. Do you think it's pulling from Benito Serino? From what? Okay, cool. <laughs> what is Herman it? Melville's book, uh, Benito Serino? Um, I have only read Moby Dick. So. Okay. Um, <laughs> Gabby, are you? Is that face? Why are you making this connection? Or is that face? <laughs> I've never heard of that book. Or no, I'm trying. I I love Benito Serino. Yeah, but I don't. It's uh, been a while since I read Dr- Captain Tide to the Masthead. Yeah. That's that's the connection. That's the entire connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I wonder if like that happened at some point and right. they were, yeah, and everyone was writing off of right. it. Yeah. Right. Like Dracula <laughs> is what? 40 years after? Substantially later, right? It was 1890s, I'm thinking, 1880s. Yeah, I think it's 1880s or 90s, somewhere in that okay. general vicinity. Yeah, I mean, it seems like the kind I mean, because like obviously the that was the thing how I discovered this in Whitby because it was based on a real shipwreck, you oh. know. So he did kind of take the story of a shipwreck and then like interesting, you know, move it into into this. So it could be, you know, maybe <laughs> that they're written off the same thing. Yep. I don't know. I will look into it more because I want to know everything about scary boat stories. Yep. My final recommendation though is Gaspacho which is a thing I didn't know I liked. Uh, But we took a cooking class in Lisbon 
a couple weeks ago. And one of the things that we made in this cooking class was gazpacho. And it was like the greatest thing I've ever had in my life. I was like, what is this? Why is this incredible, simple mix of like vegetables and garlic and whatnot? So good. Um, and so, you know, when we, we got back two days ago and I went to the grocery store the next day and I picked up stuff and I, you know, made more. We have giant cucumbers in our backyard. And so I used the cucumbers from the yard and made gazpacho. If you if you think you don't like gazpacho, you should try gazpacho. You're wrong. You're wrong. It's really, really good. Did you put it in the blender? Yeah, I used like a food processor, but yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, the like, so that's like the Spanish kind, I guess, whereas like there are like other kinds of gazpacho that are more like a salad or like chunkier or whatever. I did like the blendy kind. Did you serve it uh, cold or lukewarm? Because, you know, if you serve it lukewarm, you could burn someone's lips. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) It's from an I think you should leave sketch. He he takes a sip of the gazpacho. It's like, oh, my lips. Like, what are you talking about? I expected it to be cold and it's lukewarm. I I burned my lips on the gazpacho. I love that show so much. It's It's so good. Um, Yeah. So there we go. That's my lengthy recommendations this month, but I am feeling like I need to bestow upon people some of the things that I have encountered. Well, I, I wrote down uh, the book and I'm definitely yeah. looking forward to checking it out. I think you're going to really like it. It's, it's yeah, good. it's just a good, quick read. Good. I highly recommend it. Good. And I, I love, uh, as much as I hate horror novels, I love horror short stories. For me, the genre just doesn't work when it's stretched too long. Sure. Yeah. It's and it's not even like a like there's some like horrific things in this, but like it doesn't necessarily even read like as straight horror. You know, it's just more dark. Yeah. Than anything nice. else. Yeah. Sounds awesome. Yeah. Um, next month's game is Star Wars Jedi Jedi Survivor. So uh, go play it uh, or don't. Um, <laughs> yeah. Corey, will you be joining us for that? Uh, maybe I'll just like hang out. Sure, uh, that sounds good too. I was going to say, is Ben trying to keep me off this podcast? That's He's what's making going on. sure we never see each other again. I think is what's happening here. Yep, yep. <clears throat> ben here, just cutting in real quick as I'm editing because we actually switched what we're playing next month. It's not going to be Jedi Survivor. Jedi Survivor is going to be our next next month's game coming out in October. Our next month's game coming out in a few weeks is going to be Dangerous: The Rumisode Triangulate. That's right. You know exactly what that is. And that is a new strong, bad action adventure point and click game full of puzzles, full of Homestar. Might even get a little bit of uh, the coach in there. But yeah, it's not my job to tell you to play this game or not. But I will say if you play it, you'll have a good time. Get it on Steam. We're really excited uh, to get in there back with uh, with strong, bad and the cheat and all of our old friends again. Maybe Homestar will pay us a visit. Uh, But yeah, it's like the 90s all over again. So uh, get with it, kids. We'll see you soon. And uh, let me uh, thank you to our guest, Gabby Karoloff. Uh, Gabby teaches at uh, Washington University, uh, which is located in... Corey, do you want to guess or do you know off the top of your head? Where? What was the university? Where, Washington University. No guesses. I couldn't begin to tell you. St. Louis. Well. As you would have assumed. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. Um, Washington, D.C. University of St. Louis, I believe is the full title. Washington, mm-hmm. D.C. State, State, University of St. Louis. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you, Gabby. And, and I've insulted you probably enough uh, for one evening. Thank you for having me. This is great. And I am glad that we got to play this game. Um, yeah. So thank you for sharing it with us. Um, our website is menoflowmoralfiber.com. You can find us on Twitter for as uh, long as 
Uh, you could maybe find us on Twitter at MomphPod. Uh, Instagram, Men of Low Moral Fiber. <laughs> Facebook. Facebook still exists? Uh, Facebook.com slash Men of Low Moral Fiber. And email us, MomphPod at gmail.com. Once again, that's M-O-L-M-M-F-Pod at gmail.com. Check out our Patreon. Give us money. Patreon.com slash M-O-L-M-M. <laughs> and now we have a scripted sign-off, Gabby, and, and I'm going to put it in the chat. I'm going to give you a moment to read that. Uh, I, I would normally give Corey as our co-host the uh, Ben lines, but Corey, kind of her bit is that she doesn't like to play along with this. She isn't having a good time, and she wishes she wasn't doing it. So when we get to the line that says Corey, she's probably not going to say that. She is probably going to say something insulting instead. Uh, and so, <laughs> so Gabby, insulting. what's going to happen is you're going to say, I have been Gabby, right? Okay. And I'll say, I will be Jason. Then Corey will say whatever she says. And then you say, and I am a mighty pirate. And then I say something of a non sequitur that is a quote from the game, which you will all be surprised by in a moment. Ooh, okay. <laughs> I've got it queued up. All right. All right. So, uh, well, Gabby, as our guest, uh, would you mind sending us off with our sign out? Sure. I have been Gabby. I will be Jason. Thanks, Cor. And I'm a mighty pirate. And I am too unconscious to care. <laughs> Bye, everyone. <laughs> That's a good one.